You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Whites. Greetings and welcome to the BH Photography Podcast. Photokina 2018, the big kahuna of photo shows, took place in Cologne, Germany this year from September 26th to September 29th. And that is the topic of today's show. Joining us in the studio today are BH Podcast veterans Todd Vorenkamp and Sean Steiner. Also joining us is a newbie to our show, Dana Glidden, who is the head macha of social media at B&H, who attended this year's show and is joining us to share his experiences there. And before we start talking nuts and bolts about cameras, lenses, and all that other stuff, Dana, give us an idea about what it was like there. It's a big, big show from what I understand, a little bit bigger than the photo plus that we have here in town. It is. Uh, this is my second photo kina. Um, I went for the first time two years ago. Um, and it's a gigantic show. Now, um, also, it's up to now, it's been every two it, years, up right? Up to now, it's been every two years. Um, starting next uh, spring in May, um, they're bringing it to a yearly show. Mm-hmm. Um, so May 2019, a, so the next one will be yeah, in six months. which will be an interesting change. Um, so this is my second one. Uh, I went two years ago. Um, it's... Uh, it's a very big show. It's more um, than one hall. I understand. It's it, like it spans, all over the place. It spans thirteen hall, uh, thirteen halls of the the Cologne Expo Center. Do um, they call it the Big Kahuna, or is there a German word for that? <laughs> um, they, 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 they call it a trade fair. Ah, um, okay. So um, it, it spans thirteen halls. Um, you have uh, all of your all of your major players there. Um, kind of, it, it's a it's a very big announcement show. Um, two years ago, Panasonic announced the GH5, um, and it's always sort of like a from from what I've gathered, it's a it's where announcements happen, and then Photo Plus, which happens like a month later, is like the first appearance of all of these things in the U.S. The announcements are usually come with just a prototype, or so, sometimes nothing, or what. Uh, uh, Going back to Panasonic, uh, two, two years ago, uh, the, the GH5 was announced um, at Photokina, and it, it was it was the first announcement of it, and it was there behind glass, and it was like not a prototype announcement, but sort of an announcement of this is what we're making um, this year. The SR, the S1, and the S1R were there with um, kind of limited specs, um, and the the prototypes there in the glass of like, this is what we're working on now. This is what you should be excited about. You get a about. lot of teasers there. Like um, the full frame Pentax was behind plexiglass for like, what, three shows in a row before it actually showed up. So yeah. it's a little teaser things to come. So that, that, that there was a lot of, that, there was a lot of full fledged announcements, but also a lot of like, this is what, this is what's coming. Um, so there, there's a lot of like future announcements, things to look forward to. And do they um, also have lectures and seminars and photo shows and all they, that kind they of do. accompanying um, stuff? Too? Uh, yeah. there, there's a whole co- conference track, um, which I unfortunately, being the, the, the sole person there, did not get to take advantage of. Um, I was just kind of out on the trade show floor. But that um, all of the big vendors had people speaking at their booths, like on uh, Canon had a stage and um, they brought their ambassadors. Sony had um, people speaking there and shooting experiences and you, you, a hands-on look and feel of all of the gear. You also have a lot of smaller vendors and a lot of more eclectic uh, uh, camera manufacturers and dealers. I know I follow on Instagram a lot of these <laughs> smaller companies yeah. and a lot of them seem to be there. 
little organizations and stuff. So I imagine there's a lot of activity on the floor, of uh, things you don't normally see. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's a vast array of um, brands and experiences and products and. Uh, Everybody from who you would expect to be there to smaller names just trying to um, make a name for themselves and get. Is it safe to assume that uh, a lot of the visitors and people walking around are interesting, to, more interesting to watch than some of the exhibits themselves? So I I, <laughs> I go to a lot of trade shows um, <laughs> for social media for B&H, and this one was by far one of the most packed um, like at, at any of the the, the big announcements, um, the the booth was like five or six people deep trying to like get their hands on the new Fuji or the new. Uh, I mean the the EOS R. They had a whole shooting experience for that um, at the Canon booth, and there was a line, and you like, almost like an amusement park ride. Like they had all the Canon techs there to help you out, and. Um, it was very, it was very amusement park. Did they bring like. over uh, English speaking texts? I mean, American, yeah, uh, English, Canon, USA, English was it... English was not an issue. Um, uh-huh. um, Did I say American speaking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you English speaking? <laughs> no, that, that, there was no real language barrier. Uh-huh. Um, but the crowd is obviously mostly German. But does it it caters to an international know, is crowd? To, is that safe uh, to assume that they were mostly German? It's it, it's a European crowd. Yeah. Um, okay. um, but that there's. There was plenty of um, plenty of people from the states there. It, it, it's a it's a multi, it's not multinational. It, it's an international show. Um, it it brings in people from it's the biggest, everywhere. It's the biggest. It's the, world, the biggest right? photo okay. show in yeah. the world, yeah. from what it, I gather. At least used to and be. It, used to be. Yeah. Now it's going yearly. I think it's going to have to cut back have a little. To shrink a little. It, bit. It, it'll be interesting to to see. Um, I, I I don't know what my thoughts are on bringing it yearly. Like. It, I think because it is a a biannual, right? Um, yes, it, yeah. a, a biannual show, it, it it packs that much punch. Like, um, I don't know, because lately when we see announcements from the major manufacturers, a lot of them are development announcements at this point, and I feel like it's just because they have to rush to get something to show us, and so maybe going annually will lessen the pressure, and maybe we'll just see more announcements throughout the year that are real announcements. It could be a reflection on the market now, like cameras used to come out and they'd have 10 year lifespans, but in the digital world, the Nikon F3 was 26 years, right? Everything. So that's a lot of photokinas to pass, <laughs> pass by without a new F camera from Nikon. But now, you know, things are coming out every year. So maybe it's a reflection on that. You know, it, would, well, it would be as a fan of, uh, the show in general, having never been there, it'd be a shame to see it get smaller because they're going yearly. Well, also Photo Expo has been coming down in size a lot too. A lot of the major shows have been shrinking. It used to, they used to have all the manufacturers. Now it's really stepped back a lot and a lot of manufacturers go to hotels nearby because it's it's cheaper. So it'd be interesting to see how this will transform. Yeah, WPPI, which Todd and I went to, that was significantly smaller and they actually moved out of the convention center to just a hotel. Leica and Hasselblad aren't going to Photo Expo this year. They're not even setting up booths. So I don't know what yeah. that means, but maybe they are incorporating non-photo stuff, other electronics, other so, technologies, or no? Um, not to not to detract for a second, but uh, I I was at Photokina. I was also at IBC, um, the the European large video show two weeks beforehand, and there there is a lot of diverse a lot of diversification going on in the gear that's there. Um, like you saw big releases from Nikon, Canon. 
um, with their full frame mirrorless, all of those were very prominently displayed at IBC, which is a predominantly video show. Um, and on the flip side of that, at Photokina, I mean, Sony had all of their pro video gear. Canon had all of their cinema gear on display. So it, um, they're definitely taking advantage of the space and the audience and showing off everything that they have to show off. Um, it, instead of just focusing specifically on photo or and specifically just, uh, on video. Uh, kind of uh, stepping back a bit, a little bit, did you stay at a hotel nearby? Did you walk by? Is it just constant, constant, constant photo stuff, everyone around you? Are you staying in a hotel attached to a convention center? How's that work? So I, I stayed at a hotel. It was a, I mean, I, I took the, the train over there. It took me 20 minutes to get there. It's on uh -huh. the, I, I was on the other side of the, the water. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, it does, take over the town. I mean, yeah. I was at a hotel. I believe everybody else at the hotel was with Fuji. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's big. It's yeah. big. What um, was some of the more eclectic uh, 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 exhibitors you saw there? There had to be some real strange ones. Ec eclectic exhibitors. Um, stumping me on that one for a minute. Let me come back to that one. Um, <laughs> Olympus. <laughs> uh, Olympus, um, not an ec eclectic exhibitor, but they... Olympus and Fuji um, were two brands that kind of surprised me in the the sheer size of their exhibits. Um, Olympus had a, I think, one hall to themselves. It was the the Olympus Perspective Playground. Smaller um, sensors, bigger booths. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, perspective, perspective playground, and that it was their their kind of own little amusement park. Like huh. you, you went in, you got a badge, you they gave you an Olympus camera and lens to play with. Um, you went in, and they had um, eight or nine different things to shoot, whether it be models, whether it be um, Everything was kind of fun, wacky, moving colors to help the shutter keep up and to show off video text. And um, they had like a an actual perspective area where you kind of put yourself in as a model in this tube. And I, like it, it was fun and it was big and like it, it was it was worth talking about. Um, Fuji had one of the the bigger booths there um, from everything the xt3 the 50r um they had a whole gigantic section of their booth um for in stacks alone um so like they they came out punching mm. um, quick question about is it mostly uh the gear that we're gonna see here or do they announce different things for the european market and then wait maybe later for Photo Expo for something that would be the American market? Or do those distinctions don't exist anymore? Um, I'm shaking my head like you guys can see me. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, great no I, 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 didn't see, I, I didn't see anything that was um, specific that I wouldn't expect to see here. Mm -hmm. um, and similar to two years ago, I expect like everything that I saw announced there to be at Photo Plus um, for everybody over here that didn't go over there uh -huh. to see. Now, you guys who covered this kind of leading up to the the event itself, were there any surprises, any any announcements that weren't expected? I think the most surprising to me was the Zeiss camera because uh -huh. Zeiss hasn't made cameras in a while. Okay. So them coming out with a digital camera, especially one that's so, I kind of want to say forward thinking, but it's just 
weirdly social media oriented, okay. but still high end. Right. There's it's no Zeiss lit. Rumors website that we track, right, so it right. was kind true. of out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, to that though, um, Zeiss wasn't like they didn't have a booth at Photokina. Um, they threw their own event offsite to uh, specifically announce this camera and the lens. Um, and I mean, I found out about it that night from rumor sites and from our affiliates and that that was a surprise did you get to that uh um i i, I didn't i didn't know about it in time uh okay um, um can I, I feel like if i tried hard enough i, I could have I, I was just curious <laughs> to know whether that camera actually existed or whether it was just a piece of balsa wood um no it from, exists. From, from what i gather it was there and people were shooting with okay. it okay um from like the other people that, that i were talking to that were at that event like it was an event in and of itself. Maybe before we get into um, talking about the new cameras that were announced, was there a uh, lot of parties? I mean, was there a lot of uh, nightlife and, and social activities around the there, event? There or not, not so much. Getting right to the point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were Can we see the pictures? Um, <laughs> parties. Um, I mean, social media, right? I mean, why, right. why else does that uh, even exist? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there, there are parties, there there are after hours events and meetups and photo walks. Like it, it's a it, it's a full fledged initiative. What was yeah. the best beer you had? I mean, I went to I mean Cologne is known for their Kolsch. Um you go there and you have Kolsch. Um two years ago I found this restaurant. Um it's a restaurant slash Kolsch brewery. Um I'm gonna say it wrong probably, but fra um, F-R-U-H um, went there a couple of times had a decent meal and um, one or two glasses of Golsh um, <laughs> spread out but back to Photokina yes, yes. There, there are photo walks there's uh, oh, events cool. there's parties there's how big is the city itself of Cologne Com say compared to Manhattan I mean area wise en enough <laughs> to have its own full-fledged metro system oh yeah um, okay and, and a giant cathedral and a giant cathedral that is my favorite part of Cologne it, it looks like something that you would see in a movie that like an alien dropped like this is the spaceship that's in the middle of the city that should have news cameras around it at all times um it, it's it's daunting looking at it it's enormous um beautiful Love it. And right in the middle of the city, too, right? Next right to the train in station, the middle right? of the city. Yeah. Yeah. And everything around it is much more modern, and it just it sticks out. But it's a walking city. You could pretty much walk around much of it, or is that I, I, I walked to the show the first day, um, and it was a 45-minute walk, went over the bridge. Um, yeah, you can, you can walk around. Okay. Um, but the, the, the train was easy enough to navigate. Especially uh, after a few beers. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So, Todd, what are some of the new cameras? <laughs> yeah, let's let, we'll start with cameras, go to lenses, and then work our uh, way down. Yeah, go ahead, Todd. So, uh, Sean, chime in as you see fit. Yeah, there's so many. I'm sure. We're, really? Yeah, there was a lot. Um, How many point and shoots? Before the show, <laughs> lots, lots. Before the show, Canon and Nikon both announced their full frame mirrorless cameras. Uh, both manufacturers rolled out a, a small. Uh, quiver of lenses for those. I think uh, three with the Nikon and then four with the Canon. Quiver of lenses. Quiver. And uh, I'm going to use that word my next review. And then uh, also both cameras have adapters so you can use legacy glass. I think one of the important things about the new full-frame Canon and Nikon mirrorless cameras is that 
up till now, we've really had Sony as the full-frame mirrorless camera, and we're all busy adapting lenses to that from Nikon, Canon, right. everybody else. Now we have four different full-frame cameras at this point, right? Yep. And I, I have a feeling with, with, with adapters, and I think it's going to be that people will no longer necessarily be loyalist to one particular brand. In other words, you might use your Sony for one application, a Canon for another, and you could interchange all of the lenses you now have seamlessly. And I think it's going to be interesting that I, I think we're going to find photographers who if they have different subject matter they're shooting, we'll be using not only different lenses for different applications, but might choose one body over another depending on whether they're doing uh, a video or, or low light or high speed or whatever the case might be. And everything is sort of like hybrid. I don't think anyone's going to get hurt per se because you might buy a camera from so-and-so, but buy lenses from three other so-and-sos. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how it all plays out. It will be. Cool. And Dana, was were those two cameras kind of the, the main... Top, top you know, of the conversation. From, um, from a social standpoint, um, Canon, like the USR, was seemingly one of the more popular um, announcements um, that I covered there. Um, but both Canon and Nikon were in full force with both of those cameras and systems. Um, and both booths are four or five deep. Yeah, to use looking them. To, looking to yeah. try them out. Sean, any thoughts? I haven't heard your thoughts on these two cameras. I know you've written about them. I think that it really shows Sony influence. Yeah. All the mirrorless releases this year have done that because you're not seeing manufacturers release just one nice body and that's it. So with the Z series from Nikon, it's evident in that they have the Z6, mm -hmm. the like generalist body, and the Z7, the high resolution body. Compared to Sony's A7R line, A7S line, A7 line. And then Canon... They released the EOS R, but they also said that they're going to come out with a high-end body later, probably some other low-end ones. So it just shows how now we're getting more specific cameras for, for applications. Uh, we already mentioned the Zeiss ZX-1, but I think it deserves a little bit more discussion. Yeah, I would say. Um, kind of a, a surprising, because I think what from what I read about it and what I've thought about it, it's basically a smartphone in the sense that you can capture and share images, but it packs computer power and has Adobe Lightroom on board so you can edit your photos, uh, but you don't get those annoying text messages or phone calls <laughs> when you're using it. So it's a it's a camera that's designed to work uh, in the digital world. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be a seamless experience from shooting to sharing. And if you connect to Wi-Fi, which it can do directly, like a computer, you can actually go directly to a bunch of services. Mm. There's a lot of details. And Lightroom Mobile is in the f in the camera. It looks from the few screenshots and that they've shared. It, you can do all of your yeah. adjustments. Yeah, to all the raw adjustments, everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's got what 512 gigs built into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's doesn't, everything. Doesn't I mean, take a memory card. It has no, its own no card slots. Yeah. It has a USB port. US uh, a small USB C. Yeah. yeah, and that yeah. and that's it. I was kind of surprised because when I was reading the early rumors, it sounded like it was going to be a, a – I, mean, I hate to use the word rebadge because I have that connotation of what Hasselblad did with Sony cameras some few years back. But it sounded like the uh, an RX-1 series yeah. camera that was built – but it's not. That's exactly what I thought when I first saw the rumors. But it really isn't. Even the lens, a 35 F2, which is the same as Sony's, uh -huh. it's a completely different lens. Yeah. So it is a completely – and it's a similar setup. form factor, but 
two different cameras entirely. They really leapfrogs. It'll be interesting to see if having a non-interchangeable prime is going to affect who buys that and who uses it because it's i think the price is going to affect who buys it but what's the price and what's the focal length price isn't out yet assume somewhere in between or even higher than the rx1r mark ii and the leica q but it also does more than those two cameras in in, in some of. ways yeah it's it's so different that it'll probably do well enough Sounds pretty interesting. It's 35 millimeter f2 on the lens. Okay. Yeah, I kind of wish it was a 28 or a 24, but that's my. Oh, I love thing. the 35. So, I, I really want this camera. Sounds it's cool. beautiful too. I mean, yeah, it's, it. it's stunning a great design. Yep, it's mm-hmm. uh, the design house at Zeiss that's making these new um, sleek lenses. Obviously, had a hand in creating. Yeah, this, it's got uh, the Otis camera. yellow on the, the yeah. uh, uh, markings. Uh, Otis cool. bodice uh, cool. look to it. So, it's pretty cool. All right. Now it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Wh- who picks it up, who uh, embraces it, and if it's uh, a winner for Zeiss. Yep. I wonder if it'll be at Photo Expo. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, what's next? Well, we mentioned Hello. the Batis, somewhere on yeah. the topic of Zeiss, uh, if you want to throw that. Uh, the 40 millimeter F2CF. Um, I had that lens for two weeks before it was announced. We did a review on it. It's real. It's big. It's much bigger than I thought it was going to be, but it's a really nice lens. Uh, pictures were stunning out of it, close focusing. And what I think is real, kind of interesting, there are now two 40 millimeter lenses that were introduced. Uh, it was, was it a Sigma who put out? Who put yeah, out the- Sigma put out an Art 40, okay. as well as a 28. They're, the Art line is impressively mm-hmm. filled at this point. Right. Yeah, but what's interesting, they're going to 40 millimeter, which is really right closer to true normal than a 50 would be. And I like that. And also the 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 bodice, it's a uh, a distagon design. It's not a planar, so it's not really a normal lens uh, uh, formula. It's wide angle. And what cameras? I mean, let's uh, back, to, back, cameras to, cameras. back yeah. to cameras. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Fujifilm rolled out the XT3, which is the next mm-hmm. uh, XT camera. It's nice, and it's, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be nice. Uh, much improved video capability. So I think they're trying to uh, chip into the video market. Everyone is. I think that was a very significant almost side note for a lot of these cameras, that they all have 4K, all have at least 30, and some have 60, like the X-T3, and they do 10-bit out a lot of them, which is a huge improvement because most cameras at this point, besides the GH series, have been limited to 8-bit, which for professional video applications has not been perfect. Um, The X-T3 was the first Fuji that I, um, I went to their launch event for, and it was the first Fuji that I picked up and played with it. Um, and I like shot all of the photos that I needed and a video for that event. And like, it was a pleasure to use and like the, the quality that came out of it, um, was impressive and, um, for myself. Yeah. But are, are, they doing, are they doing that to just to say that they have it, or are they really trying to make a, a go into a video market? They're mm-hmm. definitely making a go. You've seen this before. They released their Fujinon lenses for the E mount mm-hmm. for Sony cameras, and then they made that for X mount. And the XT2 was also quite good at video. And the it XH1 was uh, had even more even video better. capability. Yeah. yeah, so they're right. definitely angling towards video. Mm-hmm. And those two Fujinon cine lenses are probably outstanding. No, they're nice. They're nice and lightweight. and (laughs) Their glass has always been good for years now. Mm -hmm. But uh, the bigger announcement, I think, from Fuji is the uh, GFX 50R, which is their next GFX medium format camera. And it's rangefinder uh, design. There's no uh, 
like on the GFX 50S, there was like a, a hump uh, digital viewfinder. On the 50R, it looks more like the uh, XA3, just a sleek range one. Yeah. Basically, what I've always said, I wish there was a Mamiya 7 that was digital, and this yeah. is about as close as you're going to get to it. Yeah, they did it's, it. That right? is pretty much, it's almost a spiritual successor if you look at it. It's yeah. very similar design, especially with the rangefinder uh, range style with the EVF right there. Yeah. Spiritual successor? Is that what you said? <laughs> Okay, huh? wow. Maybe. Yeah, that, <laughs> that works. I yeah. like that. And plus, it's a nice set of lenses. I mean, the, the optics already exist. It's not like they came out with no. the camera. No glass to go along with it. The lenses are there, too. It's also cheaper than the, yeah. G, the 50S. Yeah. It's going to be the price point's going to make a lot of DSLR shooters think about it. Cause, the R is for rangefinder, yeah. I guess. As an APS-C shooter, I'm constantly ridiculed for my sensor size yeah. by full-frame <laughs> shooters. Like me. And I might oh just boy. break out. Here we go. I just might break out in the medium format. Um, no, I, talking I about sensors. To, no, I have right? to admit, this camera has me thinking, too, that yeah. it, you know maybe, maybe there's a new it's, definition of full-frame for me coming yeah, it's, up. it's going to be smaller and lighter than a lot of pro DSLRs. Yeah. And, and the price is going to be about the, the same. You're right. That's it. You don't get the... 16 frames a second shutter speed. Is it the same know, sensor, or did you guys already say same that? Same sensor. Same sensor, same size. Yeah. So now, it's they be... did announce that they're working with the new 100 megapixel yeah. version of that sensor. Oh, wow. So okay. that'll be Just in case. When we see that. Something wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in May, probably. In May. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Next. Yeah, there were a couple of tech announcements of uh, what's to come, and that was definitely one okay. that was uh, notable. But More cameras? You, it, it's, it's interesting that they actually just leapfrogged 35 millimeter full frame. I think it was smart. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. look at how filled the full frame market just became in right. the past six months. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. They, Fuji's going to be, I think they're going to be the last man standing in APS-C. Everybody else is going to be fighting for the full frame scraps. And then the, the, for the studio portrait shooter, oh, you can get a medium format, beautiful camera for the same price as a pro DSLR. Right. I also there, think it's pretty impressive. For that, right? yeah. You don't have to go back that far where a 50 megapixel medium format back would cost you $30,000. Yeah. Like two think years. About, two, yeah, you yeah. think about it, and it's like, you get a lot of camera, a lot of resolving power for a reasonable price. Yeah. Prices keep coming down. It's, yeah. pretty, it's a good thing. Cool. I support that. <laughs> <laughs> Your wallet does. Controversial yeah. statement. My wallet uh, supports it. All I, right, any more Credit cameras? card company is disappointed, but... Let's keep talking cameras, yeah. then we'll take a little break. There was... Uh, so... Uh, Dana mentioned it earlier, the Lumix S1R and S1 uh, Panasonic is going full frame. Okay. On, Which, going back to what Sean was saying, yeah. like uh, one's a high-resolution model, one's like more of a standard resolution. Yep. Like it's 47 megapixels and 24. Yeah, 47 and 24. Yeah. 24 is pretty much the standard now. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, and th th those got a lot of... A lot of love at the show. Yeah. Do you okay. think they're going to be going away from micro four-thirds? Because that was, that was their whole basket. That's going to be forever. the big question, I think. No I way. I don't feel like they're going away with it. I feel like same thing as Todd was saying about Fuji. Like, you're going to have these two different options where, like, the, the GH5 is your kind of your entryway in, and then um, I want to upgrade or have a, a higher an option. Like, I, I think they're going to have two two systems. That Do you think working. Olympus is going to follow this path too? So Olympus has any been rumors? quiet. For yeah. the past few months, they didn't have any real announcements at Photokina either. So I think first half of next year, we should be interested in seeing what they're coming out, especially since, Dana, you said they had a whole setup. And they, they had, the, the, it was a cool whole setup, but they had this, I believe they had the same thing two years ago. I think that's sort of like their, yeah. 
their thing at Photokino. But I feel like they had new uh, cameras though last time. The OM, the OMD uh, Mark Five two, One Mark Two uh, something or other. <laughs> the EM Mark Two. Yeah, they were still kind of ro- rolling with that, and um, I mean, they, they they are pretty well due for something, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they come into this. So, two questions with the Panasonic release: Are they going to continue to support Micro Four Thirds, mm-hmm. or are they going to leave Olympus to have that market share by themselves? And the other thing to mention is this: the camera has what uh, an L mount. Uh, lens mount, yeah. mm. and there's a consortium mm-hmm. between Panasonic, Leica, and Sigma to make lenses for this system. Weird pair, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, strange, strange bedfellows, as they say. That's great. Yeah. But that, that <laughs> was that was yeah. why they talked about they had um, kind of lenses laid out there of like what's to come, and there's already a bunch of Leica L lenses. Um, they're on the spendy side, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what Sigma rolls out, what Panasonic rolls out, and who'll be making those lenses, right? I mean, they're sharing a mount, but it'll be everybody will making their own. I think at this point, Leica's still making the Leica lenses. Panasonic's going to be making some, and Sigma's probably just going to take their art line and put add a new mount. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Camera wise, Leica M10 that's out now. M10P. M10P. Yes. Uh, And I I spoke to one person who used it, and he said that he if he's I think he's owned about three of the digital lens, and he goes, it seems like they really got their act together. Now on this one, all little things that bothered him about the lens. I keep lens hearing that every time. And like, yeah, I know. <laughs> new M range yeah, but was anyone complaining about the M? Well, they, they all had the little quirks about little <laughs> yeah. things here and they, there. It's like they, they got a little, little bloated with extra uh, features. <laughs> okay. yeah. the M, uh, the M two forty. They had a video in there. The body got a little bigger for that purpose, and now they like pared it down back to. What was core Leica features mm-hmm. yeah. made the body a little smaller, and now the M, the M10 cool. and the M10P are just slightly bigger than the film range finders. So it has it doesn't have that chunky right. like they all have that same feel, but the digital the M8, M9, and the 240 all felt big. Yeah, they filled um, the hand more absolutely. Yeah. Um, the biggest change on the on the P is the red dot is gone from the front, which some people like, some people don't, and then. It has a redesigned shutter that's incredibly quiet. Yeah, yes, which is really cool. That always that's got cool. me about that. The digital M's were noisier than the film cameras, and there was nothing <laughs> moving inside. That was yeah. found to be amazing. <laughs> uh, I, guys, do, I me, do wish they had the cocking lever still. I, I wish yes. that would be cool. So. Dana's got to get going. Um, do we have Do we have any more cameras? <laughs> yeah, the Zenit do? M. What's How the story with that? <laughs> hold on, guys. Hold, hold on. Uh, let's okay. let's wrap up the cameras. And then we can even just say, you know, we're going to take a break. We're going to let Dana go. We're going to come back, talk lenses and one accessories, more stuff like that. Okay. By the way. Yeah. All right. So, so the, something else from Leica you said? Yeah, there was one more Leica. They announced they're working on the S3, which mm-hmm. is their medium format DSLR. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 This is, I believe, 65 megapixels. You're gonna, I might have to double check on that, but somewhere around there. Wow. And it's interesting to see. There's not many details, but it's going to be an interesting camera when it comes out, especially since it has full width. 4K video shooting. Wow. Not exactly sure what they're going for with this, but yeah, interesting. I've heard rave reviews on those cameras, but very few people own them because yeah, I I, I shot with the S2 and I found it to yeah. be a, a wonderful camera to use. It was really really nice. The glass is great, but yeah, I've never seen anybody walking around with one. I don't know anybody yeah. who actually uses them. 
So you need to bring yeah. a security force with you. <laughs> hey, I know a celebrity, uh, a portrait photographer who uses them regularly. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Portrait they justified the market. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, but I do know some people. It's yeah. definitely not the camera for every man. It's no. not an entry level. No, <laughs> no, no, no yeah. quite. Um, okay, one more camera. You yeah, the, the Zenit M, which is in, uh, made with Leica, but it's a Russian camera. And it's, re I've read a little bit about it, and it seems to be, it's made with Leica. It has certain Leica parts, I believe, including the sensor. It's made in Russia, though, and it's not much cheaper than the Leica M10P. So I'm a little bit confused about who's going to buy it, why they're doing it, but time will tell. Yeah, I heard it might have been a limited run, too, or it might be a limited run. So Okay. And we're going to find out how limited it is. Anyway, we are going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about uh, lenses and other toys. And uh, Dane is taking off right now. Thank you so much for stopping in. Thanks for having me. All and right. I, I guess we'll do another one of these in May for uh, Photokina 2019. Something to live for. Let's there do it in Cologne. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me along. All and, right. Uh, cool. Yeah. And now you could say you have been on this podcast. I've been saying it all week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. We are back. Um, let's start talking about lenses. There was a lot of glass introduced at the show. And um, Sean, where do you want to start with that one? I think you got to start with the biggest chunk, which is Sigma. Because <laughs> they had five lenses come out. Yeah. Some in, some. They're all quite nice. Yeah. I know, Alan, you're playing with the 60 to 600, right? Yes, I'm currently doing a review on that thing. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I, have, I have a shoulder brace right now to kind of help me. Yeah. Actually, surprisingly, Sunday we, we went uh, trail biking, and I had that in a backpack with a carbon fiber tripod and a gimbal head. And we biked for most of the afternoon, and I got some good shots along the way, and it was comfortable. It was right. It weighs about five, a little under, I don't know, it's, it's heavy. I forget the exact weight about that thing. Um it's interesting to use. It's a good, good lens. The The focal range is pretty amazing. I mean, normal to 600 millimeters, 10X, 10, 10 range. Um, but one of the neat things about it, which surprised me, is if you put it into the 200 millimeter position, it focuses down to about a little under two feet. And yeah, I was doing some really nice close as if I had a normal 50 millimeter lens on. It was heavy. Um, I do recommend putting it on a monopod. I got a gimbal head specifically to use, which makes it a lot easier to use. But I was also photographing some horses in a pasture handheld, um, and it came out fine. It was really, really good. I don't know if I'd want to have to carry it all day long. I'm not quite sure if I'd want to do a fast sports event with it because uh, to rack that thing up all the way, it's really, really weird. But the focusing, it's got a, a little limiters on it so you can control where your range would be. And um, I got used to it real quickly. It tracks very nicely. And I would say that of all the picks I got, easily um, more than 95% of them came out sharp. I, I, I don't – very few that I really misfocus. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, no, seriously, I, I, I'm more impressed than I thought Are I was going to be. Are these all art lenses or contemporary? So this is a sports sport series. Sport, right. it's, they're all part of that was it, global, global vision. Global, global vision, yeah. but they have different ones. This is a sports-specific lens. Yeah, mm -hmm. they also released the long-awaited 7200 2.8 sports. Mm -hmm. Which, which that's raving about. Yeah, that's going to be a big seller. It, what, now, well, there's no that? shortage of 70 to 200 2.8s. What makes this one so special? Well, Sigma's been really doing well with their lenses lately. Uh, the quality of the glass is 
really good. It's on par, if not oh. better, than a lot of first-party manufacturers. It, it, so, it used to be third-party was a dirty word. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. And they can do it cheaper than the main manufacturers. And that's the huge selling point Sigma has here. But there's also a lot of other functions and features. And if you really want a nice lens and you don't have the money to spend on the new Canon and Nikon stuff, Sigma is a great alternative now. By the way, the when 60 it, to 600, it's, I think, 1995 is the suggested selling. So it's under two grand, yeah. which is a lot of lens. Yeah, yeah that's the ones you can't get from Canon or Nikon. No. Right. And the, the 150 to 600s that Sigma and Tamron have are really nice lenses and very versatile for wildlife shooters and stuff. But what I was going to say is back on the 70 to 200, you used to be able to get an 80 to 200 2.8 lens for under a grand. Mm-hmm. But now the Nikon and Canon ones are about twice that. So they're almost so, flagship lenses now because yeah. they have all the latest tech and they're really good lenses. They're yeah. just expensive now. Really expensive. Right. And you said it was a sport. Did they have a 7200 art lens or? No. It's so contemporary or sport. Those are the, usually but the, it's the first 7200 Or first It's the first one. in the global vision line. Yeah. Are, are all the art lenses uh, uh, primes fixed focal anymore. length or no, they have no, any no, zooms? They have oh, no, there are zooms. That's right. Yeah. 2470 right here. Ah, all right. Okay, yeah. that's right. And that 24 mm-hmm. to 35. Mm-hmm. F2, yeah. yeah. Yep. That weird one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what were the other ones that they came out with? The So if you didn't like 24, 35, or 50, they now have a 28 and 40 one okay. fours to <laughs> add to that list. Interesting. And the last one was a 56 for APS-C, which adds to their existing APS-C line. So now there's a trio, so you can get basically a 35, 50, and 85 equivalent. Now on APS-C. Sounds good. Uh, any other lenses? I think uh, we we have to circle back to the Nikon and Canon mirrorless launches because they both launched lenses with those cameras, and those right. lenses are kind of getting overshadowed by the the uh, camera announcements. Yeah, yeah. the Nikkor Zs. Yeah, the Zs. their new series. See, sitting in meetings with both Canon and Nikon about their lenses for the new mirrorless cameras, they're both talking more about the lenses than the cameras. So... They're really? definitely pitching glass as their major selling point going forward. So they have three night cores. There's a 5018, a 3518, and a 2470 F4. That's what they've yeah. announced so far, and I imagine it's going to be a lot more They're coming out. They're all quite compact lenses. And from the early images I saw, they supposedly are top performers. Nikon made some bold claims saying that their 50 is one of the best 50s ever made, comparing it to some few thousand dollar 50 millimeter options, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's not sold. Well, no, no. It's easy to make the claim, and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and a 50. There are a lot. Of, there are some very very good 50s out there, uh, and not all of them, by the way, cost several thousand dollars. Very right. true. You know, they're, they're most s- of them do not. Right, right, right. 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 Sony's got a, a 24 that you mentioned, right? Oh, yeah. By the way, go, just go back to no, Nikon. Yeah. The, uh, Nikon also has their uh, the 500 millimeter 5.6. Uh, PFEDVR, which uh, sounds like a, a, yeah. a nice well, honk. So I have yeah. no use for telephoto lenses beyond like 7200, <laughs> but the 300 and 500 PF, they're just so tiny and yeah. incredible that I just want them anyway. You'll, you'll find use yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, you haven't, Once. if you haven't handled one of those, it's a, it's amazing. Like the, the 300 PF, and the 500 is not much bigger, but that 300 fit in the same spot in my camera bag that a 70 to 200 did. It's lighter. And too, it was lighter yeah. and smaller. And it was, and there you have 300 F4 on a thing that 
is about the size of a soup can. By the way, just to so, go back to that uh, Sigma Zoom, the 60 to 600, it sounds yeah. like a monster. It's under a foot long when it's retract at 60 millimeter. I mean, when you rack it at the 600, it grows another two feet. <laughs> but um, it's actually pretty small. Uh, it, it's carry-on. It, yeah. it, it really is a manageable lens. It really, really is. But let's talk about the Canon mirrorless lenses too. Yeah. So the key lens is the 28 to 70. It's an F2. So this is the first time we've seen a major manufacturer come out with a general zoom that's that fast. That's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is a that's a huge improvement. It's also a huge lens. It's got a 95 millimeter front thread. If that's the that same as the 60 to 600 Sigma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's big. That's a lot of glass. But they also covered their bases. They have a 24 to 105 coming out. That's going to be very popular. Mm-hmm. Just like their other 24 to 105s, probably their best selling lens ever. And, well, see, they have a roadmap yeah. to go by. They already know what, what the consumers want, so it's not like they have to, you know, yeah, just shoot pick their best sellers and remake them better and smaller for mirrorless. Re-engineer them. That's it. Yeah. So they got the roadmap right there. And then there was the fifty millimeter f one two, which is an interesting fifty to go with to start, but it shows the focus on glass. And then is there one more, Todd? Uh, thirty two one four. Thirty two one four. Yeah, that was for um. That was actually for the APS-C. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oop, cut that. No, we can talk about that. So <laughs> I just didn't scroll Canon down Canon is very popular, yeah. and it's easy to say that the early mirrorless cameras weren't that good, but they're actually very popular. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see that they're coming out with a 35-1-2 for... Or 32-1-2 for the, M, for the, the M series. The right? original yeah. M, yeah. So they had a to round up the Canon mirrorless 28-70 F2, 50-F-1-2... 3518 macro and a 24 to 105 f4. I forgot about the 35 macro. It's going to be a very nice complement to the 24105 if you need a nice affordable kit for your brand new EOS R. For listeners, check back a few weeks ago. We did an episode on these two cameras and these lenses. We talked a little more in depth. Yeah. On them, so. Yeah. More lenses? Yeah. Sony. Yeah. Sony G Master 2414. So this is really nice in my opinion because they haven't had a wide angle high end prime. I think their widest right now is before that was the twenty eight f two, which is a nice lens, but it's kind of mid range. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this G Master twenty four and the fact that it's quite small for what it is 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 very nice addition to the line. Great, and that's a E mount, I guess, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. full frame E mount. Yeah. Tamron had uh, their lightweight 17 to 35, 28 to 4, which mm-hmm. uh, weighs, I think it's just an ounce over a pound. Yeah. Everything's getting smaller and lighter. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, another lens, Voigtlander, the Nocturne 50 millimeter F1.2 aspheric. That's in a Leica M mount, which of course you could adapt to any number of cameras. Pretty much anything announced this year can take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's pretty nice. And Voigtlander makes. Stunning glass. Actually, it's made in the same factory as the Zeiss lenses. Uh, it's all by Cosina. So uh, it's good stuff. This They have a 51 too, but this is an aspherical version mm-hmm. and uh, comes with the associated price tag of making aspherical lenses. All right. A little pricey, but worth yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be, uh, it's beautiful though. Mm-hmm. Lens Baby Soul 45. Oh, soul. <laughs> Another one. She's got soul. All right. <laughs> And what's the deal with yeah. that? Uh, it gets a little blur on the edge. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it actually has these funny little things you could swing in front of, like little <laughs> uh, uh, um, little shapey things that go in front of the thing you could control. 
what's out of focus on the edges. Yeah, it's interesting. You really got to look it up to understand what it's doing. If you All like right. that kind of special effects lens, it's another mm -hmm. option for you. Is it down at the the lower price end of their lenses, or I think it's a few hundred dollars, two or three hundred. I think it's, it's, in, right, it's right in the mix. It's yeah, yeah, lens yeah. baby pricing. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. And then the uh, last thing on my note sheet is Hasselblad rolled out three new uh, lenses for their mirrorless medium format system, the XCD system. Oh wow! A sixty-five two eight, a one thirty-five two eight, and a eighty-one nine. That and 80 is their fastest lens ever. ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. I think F2 is the fastest thing they ever made before yeah. this. It's medium yeah. format. It's tough. And yeah. They did it now. Yeah. That's right. And that was only for the electronic shutter uh, Hasselblads way back when. So now, aren't they coming one. out with a new... Shouldn't they be coming out with a new camera pretty soon to, to kind of follow up to that? I, I mean, heard Fuji that there did, is right? a camera that's going to be coming out priced a little bit less. Yes, really? that's what I heard. The only thing I've heard lately is similar to Fuji's announcement that they're working with the 100 megapixel sensor. It would only make sense that Hasselblad would also jump on that sensor. Right. But I think also they're coming in with something a little bit lower priced, I believe. That's be medium nice. format. Um, I heard from a reliable source with no details, I think, towards the spring. It cool. might have four propellers on it, though. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. but, uh, no. yeah. uh, <laughs> well, speaking of which, let's, any drones, any oddball gear? Any accessories? Uh, I think for I think the Profoto B10 deserves a mention. Okay, yes, mention them. I saw yeah. that puppy. Yes, it's nice. It's it's so crazy. Nice. They say it's the size of a lens. It's a little wider than your 7200 is going to be, but it's it is that. It tiny. is smaller than the 60 to 600 the yeah. Sigma, though. <laughs> yeah. It's tiny. It's lightweight. It's a super compact version of the B1, and now it has some extra features and bells and whistles, including a LED light that'll work nicely for video. Yeah, it's bright. I saw that. Cliff, she gave me a little demo on that thing. It's yeah. beautiful. It's got. It, it's rated at 250 watt seconds, so it's a stop less than the B1, which really isn't that bad. And the LED light being used for video is huge, and it even has fully adjustable color temperatures and brightness. And you could work it off your smartphone. A yeah. lot of controls. It's amazing. I think for travel photographers, especially right now, if you travel with gear, you can really pack cameras, stands, and lights onto your carry-on right now if you do it right. And you can really travel with a complete photo system far easier than you could a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's incredible to see. As we said earlier, everything's getting lighter smaller and smaller. And smaller. Yeah. yeah, and again, it's it's applicable for still and video, which makes it that much more versatile, which yeah. you couldn't do a few years ago. And it's a part of the air system, so mm -hmm. if you're already in ProPhoto, it's a nice addition to your kit. So... It works with all the major manufacturers now, Sony, Fuji, Olympus, Nikon, Canon, obviously have air systems. So you can even get TTL with it. And aesthetically, it's beautiful. The design, everything, the whole execution of it, it's a really, really, really nice piece of equipment. Yep. There's a new uh, versions of the Mavic, the Mavic 2 Pro and Mavic 2 Zoom, Zoom from uh, DJI. Those are going to be incredibly popular drones. Yeah, I got to take that for a spin with Brett Smith. We went uh, to Iceland to test them out, and they're easily the best consumer drones you can get today. The Pro especially. Now, out of the box, if you say you have no experience with drones, I mean, how easy are these things to open up, set up, and get started with? Because back in the day, it was not easy. It, it's super easy these days, and especially with drones like this, they all have obstacle avoidance and everything. So as long as you're not doing anything incredibly stupid... 
<laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't have any issues. Well, trying to smash into something. Or you're trying to smash into it. Yeah. 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 But it's doable. Really. So these systems yeah. work pretty well. Yeah. And they're so. They're Did you try to smash into things and they avoided it? Or. Uh, yes. We've tried. Uh, try, <laughs> tried is a nice yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> it, they're good. Especially the, uh, the Pro has the Hasselblad camera. The one inch sensor on that is about the same as the RX100 type cameras. And it makes a huge difference. And then uh, there's a, a bunch of random things, but I think we need to talk about the Gitso Mini Traveler. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly the world's premier tabletop tripod. Okay. And if why do you say that? Price point. Okay. <laughs> carbon fiber. It's carbon fiber. Yeah. Uh, 6.6 pound capacity. But I th- if you were looking for the ultimate in tabletop tripods, I think your search is over. That's good to know. <laughs> we're talking about stabilizers. Uh, Zuntech yeah. announced the Weeble Lab, which is practically a direct competitor to the DJI Ronin S. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see in, that, in this market more options coming out. And this one's smaller. <laughs> they they claim it, it's about the size of an A4 sheet of paper. So like A4 letter size, which is quite tiny for something that can handle mirrorless cameras and yeah. have a full gimbal in it. Cool. And then yeah. there was uh, the GoPro Hero 7. I don't know. I mean, GoPros are incredibly popular, but it, they don't, I don't know if when they announce a new one, if it makes a splash that they used to these they, days. You- it, they've changed their cycle, so it's not... We get a lot of new ones, but we don't get major advancements each time. Right. So with this one, it's pretty much just a firmware-type update. Not quite. It's a right. lot of software and additional processing in there. So the stabilization system has been dramatically improved. So they say it's as smooth as a gimbal without needing one. And anybody who's used a GoPro or put one on their head the next time they, the last time they went skiing or something knows that <laughs> GoPro footage is shaky a lot of the time. So yeah. it's going to be yeah. nice. Interesting. I've been in the surf the last few weekends, and then there's uh, a couple guys that have like teeth-mounted GoPros. As they start to paddle towards the wave, they put a GoPro in their mouth as a mouth guard, mm. and then they film from eye level. It looks a little weird. But. Yeah. <laughs> now, boxing <laughs> matches that way could be kind of interesting. I just noticed that the Canon, we skipped one little camera, Canon PowerShot SX70HS. Oh. Yeah, a few new tweaks in that. It's their super zoom, 65-time optical zoom lens. What's the range? Because I also have 65X, but do you know what they actually do? Like 7,000 millimeters or something like that? No, it's like 1,200, 1,300, I think, on the far end. Yeah, it's something like that. I forget exactly. I don't know off the top of my head. It's nutty. Was that when they released the camera? They didn't actually mention the focal lengths, but... um, And that's a bridge bridge style body? Bridge style body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, super zoom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well... I think I've spent all my money. <laughs> That's it? Nothing kind of really interesting and odd that you guys want to mention? I mean, there's a lot of stuff, actually. There's a lot of things. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, think there'd be so many. Pocket, so much, yeah. Pocket Wizard has Sony compatibility now. Okay. So that's kind of a big thing. Sekonic right. has a new super color meter, the C800. All right. And that thing has a new SSI mode. And if you're on, it's another one of those CRI, TLCA measurement types. But this one lets you take a measurement from a light and then directly compare that measurement to other lights. So if you don't really care too much about the actual accuracy and how they compare, and you want to directly make sure that two lights are matched, that's what this function adds, basically. In general, do you really need color meters anymore? It used to be, in days of film, you did. But with 
again, with digital sensors and, and, and the amount of control we have post, so how critical is it? I think it was, it was really critical a couple years ago because LED technology is still quite new. Yeah. And LEDs can vary dramatically. Okay. And early measurements for something like CRI is interesting because it was not great for LEDs, but it works great for tungsten-based sources. But you used to be able to get a measurement of like a 98 CRI, which sounds really good. But you could basically have no reds because of how the measurements were averaged. And so then TLCI was created, and now there's just so many LEDs out there, and they vary in quality so dramatically. I think if you are doing that important of work, these meters aren't cheap. So no, if, they're not. If it's no. that important to you, and you're checking like lights to make sure that they're all the same, that, that's going to be helpful, especially in post, and if you're doing a lot of VFX work. Okay, gotcha. All this drives me to become a natural light shooter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and no, it's always been a fun, color's a funny thing because our eyes really compensate for a lot. You know, we're sitting yeah. under fluorescent lights. We don't see green light. There's no red in the spectrum, but we our eyes adjust for it. Uh, you walk around the streets at night. Yeah, we see that orangey thing, but for the most part, yeah. our eyes really do amazing jobs in compensating, whereas it, the as film certainly doesn't, and, and imaging sensors due to a certain extent, but they too are not perfect. You always have to tweak your color. See, these meters aren't for the average shooter either. They're for high-end production. Yeah. So if you're talking about the new, the latest superhero movie where half the movie is going to be built in graphics engines in post, having something where you can match a light source right. day after day so that if you're reshooting on the green screen, everything still looks nice, that's important. Yeah, it's true you could fix everything in post, but it's sure nice when you don't have to. And that's that's exactly the it point. It of takes it, yeah. less time to do it right up front than to fix it post. Yeah. Less yeah. time and cheaper. That's the bottom line. Agreed. Good place to end. Well, another show in the can. It's great. Um, again, talking about new toys is always fun, and uh, we'll hopefully have these in our hands to play with and talk about more as time goes on. For now, that was Photokina 2018. want to thank again uh, Dana Glidden and Todd Vorenkamp and Sean Steiner. And on behalf of Jason, John, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today. <laughs>